Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. In this episode, episode 55, we're covering chapters 3 and 4 from part 1, Metamorphosis, of book 3, Imago, of the Xenogenesis trilogy by Octavia E. Butler. My name is Richard Acton, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Michael Glinkham. Hi, everyone. Mm-hmm. Morning, Michael. This is, I, to be honest, I think this is probably, not this one, but the four, next chapter, chapter 4, is probably the most exciting biologically chapter that we we had in a quite a while, I would say. Mm. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this one. Honestly, it it took me by <laughs> surprise that how much information we get to get um, mm. uh, about the 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 biology of Onkali and specifically Uloi. It's, it's super exciting. Yeah, as so one of those things that. Uh, I really enjoyed about the series was that you know we sort of kept coming back to little bits of additional biology and it was all it was all really quite good right? it was all really quite interesting well well sort of thought out as a sci-fi premise biologically which you know like like I said way back at the very beginning of this podcast was like the the reason I like this one of the main reasons I like this series so much uh, was like I think it was like one of the best instances of relatively hard sci-fi that's biology yeah right? absolutely <laughs> there's almost nothing else that's that's uh, i've encountered that has biology sort of you know it, in it in its core so much uh, and here we get a, a you know a nice a nice slice of that with with reference to some some uh, fun biology yeah absolutely absolutely and honestly um it's 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 nice that um you sort of get. We've talked about this before, but you know, Octavia Butler uses the sort of the Onkali are too alien. But once there is a mix of the humans, it allows, thanks to the human sort of mindset, you would say, it allows us to go into more of the understanding of the biology because we, you know, it's sort of like as if um, she uh, wanted to sort of portray that you know with the added huma- humanity to the Onkali. Um, mm-hmm. it allowed us to sort of understand, otherwise it would be too alien for us to understand uh, the, the the concepts behind the biology, which I find fascinating, mm-hmm. but there are you no know, questions as we'll get to that chapter that um, I don't I don't know how would biology actually solve itself in that in some of those cases. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that should be, it should be interesting to get to. So, yeah. um, should we uh, should we get started? Should we jump into your your predictions for chapter absolutely, three? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I was like, wow, it's an actually you know Uloi construct, right? So we it's confirmed, mm. and I felt that things are gonna get rocked hard. Like the Onkali's world is going to you know have to go undergo some serious um, rethinking of things, and um, basically in this chapter. Um, chapter three we will be like told that you know the rest of the family at least the parents will gonna get told you know that he's an ulo in fact and you know the 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 fear for his life is going to be Mm -hmm. real right because we know that um once don kali learn about that that there was an ulo actually construct ulo created um Mm -hmm. the rest of don kali will probably go ballistic and try to figure out what to do next and you know it probably is going to create some distorted no distortion between the community uh mm-hmm. okay. what to do whether to uh call it it where <laughs> before it can go anywhere or if it can do anything or see what is going to happen you know that, that type of thing hmm. okay 
but uh, but we do kind of get the like the family's reaction right they're, yeah. they're very you know uh, concerned about this whole situation and angry and so on but uh, yeah we haven't got into the wider um like societal reaction from the Oankali yet not right? yet still, yeah uh, <laughs> not yet the the sort of uh, political ramifications if you will for yeah. uh, the existence of a uh, construct uloi <laughs> yeah yeah. I, I think this political thing appears more in chapter four, right? Like, but we'll get to that. Yeah, a little bit more of that. I think it's still uh, more like foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get to chapter three summary, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So the chapter begins with Nikanj calling his family over before Jodas um, falls asleep for his metamorphosis. The first one to arrive was Lilith, and the moment she arrived, she knew something was wrong. And the moment she touched Jodas, she could tell our Jodas boy was co- becoming an Uloi. Um, Tino reacted honestly, like a, to be honest, like any human would, angry at Nikanj because it was supposed to be impossible, and also meant an exile for Jodas. Um, Nikanj argued back, saying that the child was perfect, and the only carelessness was allowing it to become an Uloi, nothing else. He then called them to join in uh, it so that they can explain to them using the Onkali way. Dichan and Arches didn't hesitate, but Lilith and Tina were not so keen on, on that. Eventually, Lilith got closer, but before she touched Nikan, she turned around and called Tino. And here's a bit of a uh, uh, piece of a book, paragraph from a book. He did not move. Your law, he repeated to Nikan, but it was Lilith who answered, not law, consensus. They agreed to send accident away to the ship. Nika believes it can change the agreement. Now? In the middle of everything? Yes. But if it can't? And if they can't, Lilith said that they will have mm-hmm. to leave Law and for a while and live in the forest. Tina got mm-hmm. close to her, looking as if he wanted to hold, hug her, um, or hug her uh, like humans usually do. But those connected with Onkali as a family felt repelled against this behavior. Yeah, I was just, uh, it, it, it's interesting that, uh, as usual, Lilith has a fairly kind of level headed reaction to this, right? She's like, hmm, uh, it's not a hard rule, right? It's the, the, we may be able to change the consensus's mind about this, but she also has the her you know backup plan, right? We we can yeah. go live in the woods. <laughs> Basically, like but, you know, uh, if any problem, live in the woods. Uh, but <laughs> I feel like even if they yeah. did hide in the woods, they, it would be a matter of time when the Onkali would circle them, like if they wanted to ca- find them. No, I mean, hmm. I suppose it depends how uh, how invested they are in uh, tracking them down. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Tino then turned to Nikanj and asked uh, to talk to him in a normal way instead of uh, instead. So Nikanj complied and um, started explaining that he made a mistake and it was not deliberate. It just got too relaxed when making children because things have always gone well. Tino tried to touch others, but he couldn't. In Onkali, only same-sex parents did, didn't feel the repulsion from touch. So instead, Tino abruptly grabbed Nikanj's sensory arm. It was a tough organ and wouldn't be injured with bare humans, but Tino tried. He was angry and wanted to hurt. And Onkali would have opened the wall and gone away for a while. Even Lilith would have done that. Tino tried to give pain. Pain for pain. Hmm. Yeah, it definitely seems uh, pretty angry <laughs> about yeah. this. Yeah. The conversation was taking a long time so, so that Dichan and I just created platforms to sit and wait for them to finish. Lilith went to speak to Jodas to ask if the child, you know, the child, if he's fine. Even though Jodas' presence was bothering her, Lilith prevailed and stayed by his side. Jodas wasn't afraid because it knew that you know they would keep keep him safe. 
yeah until until lilith came over and you know sat next to him that this whole conversation has been a lot of like talking about jordas in in jordas's presence without yeah. actually talking to yeah. uh, it now i suppose uh, which <laughs> yeah it seemed a bit um a, a bit rude and almost a bit unlike the um the the way the uh, the way um, Lilith and, and some of the other Orancali typically involve it get, get involved in this kind of thing right they're normally trying to like you know in, include the people about in the conversation is taking yeah. place I but, mean it is a very human yeah. way to do it like just ignore the yeah. child and you know argue mm. with the adults I, I think thing. it's a, a a good mechanism to emphasize the kind of the the urgency and importance of the um and uh, like how concerned they are the fact that they're just kind of you know talking about it without talking to it uh, about yeah. this issue um it, it underscores the um like how agitated they are about it yeah the conversation turned towards the fact nikanj was so lonely and all the all on earth must be feeling the desperation nikanj felt the old agreement must change before any more accidents happen before a flawed ulo is created that was a danger that was dangerous a being not uh, being a natural genetic engineer with flaw could distort or destroy it with a touch. Nothing would save it from confinement in the ship and being experimented on by the Onkali. Yeah, that's another interesting little uh, thing we get dropped in, right? Or kind of reminded of that, uh, you know, an option for the Onkali is just to sort of, you know, put you on ice in that suspended animation thing yep. um, and have you unconscious more or less indefinitely and apparently experiment on you while, <laughs> while you're out. Um, I uh, feel like that yeah. was basically what happened to all the humans who were originally taken on the ship, right? Yeah. Mm. So, although it's um, this is kind of a bit more like doing it to one of their own to some degree, right? It's still mm. a, uh, it, it's a, uh, you know, a construct, a, a hybrid of the human Oankali uh, uh, genetics, but still um, substantially Oankali. Yeah, so. absolutely. So. This is where the chapter ends, with basically with Nikanj reconciling with Tino and then reassuring Jodas that it will stay with it and it will talk to all those that will come and explain everything to them. It will protect Jodas from any harm until the metamorphosis is done. Hmm. That's basically where the chapter ends. And yeah, a bit of sort of uh, foreshadowing of shit's gonna go down in a second when the Onkali find out and they will find out very quickly. And hmm. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like uh, there's all that much optimism that Nakanj is going to be able to persuade the rest of the Ankali that uh, uh, Jordas is uh, uh, not a flawed uh, yeah. alloy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, it, it, it's going to be. I guess maybe let's go to chapter four predictions because I'm about. I was about to say something and it literally matches what I think the prediction is. Sure. So yeah, I agree. Like you know, I I just thought basically, um, you know. The metamorphosis is gonna be taking place, and basic, basically, Kanch will have to keep an eye on any visitors. And but basically, it will be just Onkali and angry Uloi bashing the door down, like you know, uh, humans bashing the door down in the Phoenix when you know Akino was undergoing metamorphosis. But like, maybe this time a bit more polite. Uh, hmm. talking to Nikanj, but before they can you know say anything, they will probably wait until the end of the metamorphosis type of thing. To hmm. See if it's it's got if it's if it's if it's up up to the ship or if it's all if, or are we cool you know? Interesting. Yeah, it doesn't really seem the the Orancali style to do anything that's sort of um, like 
I don't know, they're super angry, right? They're, they're always very, <laughs> very calm, very calculated, very uh, on the level. Yeah. So like the 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 yeah you know, their version of of breaking down the door is probably a little bit subtler, but uh, yeah. yeah, still um the same kind of general effect. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess let's get to the chapter four ty- uh, summary. Mm-hmm. So the metam- metamorphosis was taking place but it was taking months with broken by a um, few hours of consciousness to here and between and and Uloi would have to undergo it twice that's mm. reminding of Nikanj when Lilith uh, was uh, still young yeah I think Nikanj's metamorphosis the second one was was a fair bit shorter than this yeah yeah, yeah. I suppose that m- might fit a little bit with the sort of um there's, I, I didn't know of any animals that sort of specifically undergo like two metamorphoses. I mean, they, they probably exist. There's usually some exception to that rule somewhere in biology. But um, I suppose it's a bit more like having a uh, a metamorphosis into like a, a nymph stage a and frog. then the, the nymph kind of matures into a, an adult form. It's sort of a, a, a drawn out rather than a acute metamorphosis. But yeah, um, I would say probably a frog would be probably one of the closest we know because we separate its development so many stages that technically you could fit it technically, but as you said, it like it's very um, it's kind of more continuous and yeah. there's not really like three separate phases, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know of any direct parallels that have like three completely distinct phases punctuated mm. by full metamorphoses i think there are some insects that have something like uh there are a, you know some kind of a, a a grub then they kind of pupate into something like a nymph and then the nymph matures into an adult form of some kind i think maybe there's something like that but yeah that's that's that was the closest thing that i could come up with with some quick searching but yeah, yeah the, it's biology there's, there's probably a, there's probably some weird thing somewhere that does it this way <laughs> possibly maybe, maybe yeah <laughs> yeah so Jodas was aware few of uh, the times that his body is physically changing like Akin it developed a sair around its throat so that it could breathe underwater it also grew more head and body tentacles it wouldn't develop any sensory arms until second metamorphosis, but the sensitivity to the environment was already enhanced nonetheless. And something else was growing, something between his hearts. Because Jodas was human-born, his internal organ arrangement was human. When Uloi create the construct children, they are careful not to provoke uncontrollable immune reactions in their birth mothers. And here I am, um, just stopping the, 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 the going through the book, I, I thought to myself, mm-hmm. okay, two hearts... Okay, fair enough. But that information about not to provoke the uncontrollable immune reaction, I don't remember if we mm-hmm. talked about it, but I mean, um, in the humans... I, th- I think in general terms, it's kind we, of... We, I think yeah. we covered about the whole, you know, birth and st- stuff like that. And maybe we mentioned this, but like the not provoking immune reaction, like in the humans, there is the, you know, the rhesus disease because we do have antibodies, mm-hmm. antigens, sorry, present in the on the surface of... Uh, of the red blood cells, you know, the res is positive or versus res is negative, and if it's positive, um, if the uh, pregnant, if woman was uh, exposed to res positive cell, uh, bod, um, red blood cells, and she's res negative, she can develop antibodies, and therefore, mm. if she did, um, then 
the child, if if there are reses positive uh, in the womb, will become may there might be an antigen uh, antibody response to the baby's blood. Um, so mm. I was just curious of like, you know, how do they do you know deal with that? Obviously, you know, making everyone reses negative type of thing, but. What about onkali? Like you know, we separate red blood. You know, we said uh, we separate the blood groups into like A, B, A, B, and zero type of thing. It depends on the sugars on the surface of the red blood cells. Um, mm. But uh, what about onkali? I mean, it ha definitely has to be a completely different blood system, right? So presumably, yeah. I mean, I suppose they. Uh, we, we've had. Um, um, Accounts of them, you know, changing the immune system of humans to make them stronger, uh, to Absolutely. resist additional pathogens and so on. So I, I would imagine that they kind of, like, they can get around this by tweaking the, the mother's immune system as well as the um, the sorts of antigens the kids might present yeah. to, to get around that problem. But, uh, yeah, it, it does present an interesting uh, interesting little challenge, right? And uh, I suppose that you, you might not necessarily just want to uh make everyone like o negative i, I don't actually know what the um uh I, you know, I don't know if there's if there's any evolutionary value in particular to to um uh to why we still have the cause I, I think the o um uh like, like the the um the absence of ab antibodies and rhesus factor are the kind of evolutionarily older state if um and then we we, we gained a b and and rhesus uh, as like um if i'm remembering correctly something as a there, there are some similar antigens that are presented by certain like one of them's flu one of them's maybe gram negative bacteria um and i forget what rhesus is but uh, having something that was kind of similar to them but not actually them went for made for better or more specific antibodies, I think I think there was some you know ad, ad, some adaptivity for for the the um, adding those additional um, factors. But yeah, I'm not sure if there's also some advantage to not having them. I the yeah. only thing I remember from um, the evolutionary uh, advantages of having um, different blood types was I remember that type B blood, which is I think more prevalent in Africa, um, is advantages because the 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 blood the, it's it's it comes to like advantage the, the resistance to diseases and i think blood uh, type uh, blood b is more um resistant to malaria if i remember correctly i would have to you know fact check myself on this but i think there was something like that like i remember specifically for example sickle cell anemia um, yeah. it happened because um, it's more difficult for malaria to, to spread and I think type blood B was also in, involved in this I don't remember if I ever read any ad evolutionary advantage of the reses um, system so why there's ant antigens present on the red blood cells I'm not sure um, hmm. but you'd have to look in and I, I will look after the you know, recording obviously and look for some interesting references to explain that stuff later on yeah i don't know about the malaria thing but yeah I, I think some of the 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 thinking is generally that um you can improve self-recognition by having something that is uh similar to but not uh the same as some pathogen that's in the environment 
so you, you can kind of uh, get a more specific uh, recognition of it. I think something along those lines was was the thinking. But uh, yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know enough about. It. <laughs> no, no, honestly, I can't yeah. really remember yeah. um, myself. Mm. So we'll check and then put some in the comments. But yeah. The constructs we're told, you know, that they have two hearts, which seems a bit radical for humans, you know, and it, and it seems radical for humans in general in, in the world of the Octavius Butler because sometimes a resistor would shoot them in the heart and then run away in panic because there would be no much, not much reaction because the other heart would be doing its job. Hmm. But the organ yeah. talked here is not the second heart. It's like, but yeah, like two double circulation, and we've mentioned about the whole, you know, I remember when Anna and Schacht were introduced and the whole idea of breathing mm. underwater. And then, you know, we were like, you know, thinking about the, oh, you know, if the like the blood system as well, like oxygen and stuff like that, maybe there, there is something more into it, the two hearts type of thing here. Maybe, yeah. It's a t two hearts just seems like a little bit of overkill, right? I didn't think that would that wouldn't fly evolutionarily, right? I mean, that's, it's that's too no much, ultra too much marine type of thing. It's... <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, just need that's... that extra lung and then muscle development of like you know extra muscle that makes you weigh like 300 kilogram of pure muscle weight mm -hmm. and then you can just put some armor and go slay, slay some xenomorphs yeah i mean from an from like an engineering perspective like if you want to make someone who is just like much more robust to like heart failure then okay yeah right makes sense right redundancy yeah. always good but like evolution is not always a fan of of that kind of redundancy unless it's like necessary unless there's a, a unless there's a specific selective pressure that's just like people are constantly getting stabbed through the heart yeah <laughs> and then you can come up with a way around that that's going to help like I, I don't even know if that's it's 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 a it's a difficult thing to even begin selecting for because like how do you get to halfway to a second um heart i don't know yeah but, like you mean Mm. <laughs> actually i suppose um yeah i suppose the um if you had i don't know stronger um arterial uh, arterial pumping and then that was enough to keep you going after some kind of minor heart injury for longer than that yeah maybe maybe it, it, it would be a tricky one <laughs> Yeah, but you you could you could contrive circumstances where that could get selected for. I mean, technically, we also have like two kidneys and stuff. Like, you could technically have one big kidney that would cover stuff like that. So, you know, we yeah. could technically kind of have like was... you know two mm -hmm. ha tiny hearts that you know do the same job of you know a single heart mm -hmm. type of thing. But and I mean, we kind of do right because the we have the double circulatory loop. Yes, and they're, yes. They're just sort of you know a. It's two and independent pumps that do independent loops that just are stitched together in the middle, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, if you wanted to do double circulation but just have the pumps in different spots, that would make sense, yeah. right? You, this, the, you know, there's some kind of bilateral symmetry thing where you just, um, you know, you end up producing two of them, but in you know they're just located not in the middle, so they're not stuck together up the middle mm. and that would uh, that would kind of give you a similar um it, it, a similar uh, yeah effect, but, but then yeah, yeah. Mm. 
would have to have like a difference in the uh, you know chest cavity like where they're located and stuff like that but yeah like basically <laughs> it, yeah you're right you, we could split the heart into two ones that just do the separate jobs for the two circulatory systems we have mm-hmm. um but yeah um that, but, that would make sense there's two hearts right it's it's yeah. two kind of like fish-like hearts with with two chambers right that are just yeah. independent on doing the same yeah, yeah. loop or doing different loops but yeah um rather than yeah 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 so that that version of two hearts makes sense like the the two four-chambered hearts is just like maybe that's overkill <laughs> yes yes absolutely switch one off to when the other one is doing its job so it can relax um mm-hmm. But yeah, but in here we're told about an extra organ between the hearts. It's so it's it's a bit different, and it's an organ that we're told that all constructs have at least some version of it. Males and females would store valuable cells of fam- unfamiliar living things for the Uloi partners. In Uloi, the organ was much larger and more complex. Within it, the Uloi manipulated molecules of DNA. The construction of any construct child starts there where the onkali and the human parent's DNA are mixed. The mixing and the organelle are the only contribution from Nolai. And here's a, hmm. a description of the book, because I thought it was very important to keep the details. The organelle had divided hmm. within each of my cells as the cells divided. It had become an essential part of my body. We were what we were because of that organelle. It made us collectors and traders of life, always learning, always changing in every way but one. That one organelle. Uloi said that we were that organelle, that the original Onkali had evolved through the organelle's invasion, acquisition, duplication, and symbiosis. Yeah, so this is where the, we get some interesting biology, right? So we yeah. have a, a, an, an organelle that's probably an, an endosymbiont uh, or possibly endoparasite, depending on your, your perspective. Yeah. <laughs> um, a bit like the. Uh, a bit like our mitochondria or or the uh, chloroplasts in plants. Yeah, absolutely. And the inheritance also is is the same kind of pattern, right? It's um, or similar anyway, right? We have maternal inheritance of mitochondria in humans because, um, well, because the, the the sperm is small and the mitochondria in it aren't in the the head. Yes. That um, actually contains the genetic information, right? It's just basically a nucleus, and the the mitochondria in the tail get stuck outside the egg, so there's no mitochondria transferred to the uh, to the kid um, from the paternal side. So it's yeah. uh, you know a single line of maternal inheritance on your mitochondria. But uh, same thing apparently is the case for the uloi, right? It's yeah. only the, uh, the uloi. Although, although in this case, it's apparently their only contribution is uh, genetically is the uh, the organelle. So it's uh, uh, like the um, the three parent child that we discussed back in the um, oh yeah that was uh, um, was it the Gattaca episode I think it was um, the Gattaca episode I don't know I I do remember that we've talked about it the fact that you know the whole um, idea of the actually we must have we, we might have talked about when the first we were talked about the whole organelle was mentioned the first time the onkal the Uloi organelle and. Mm. So yeah, it's it, it makes sense that, that the fact that it, it's it's literally additional organelle and the only function the Uloi has is to spread it and allow for any sort of fertilization to take place, right? Uh, yeah, seems to be that they kind of um, contribute the organelle and then orchestrate the um, the the combination of uh, genetic factors that come from each parent. Yeah, uh, I suppose is the so. Hmm. 
we are told in this chapter that sometimes on Kali, if they found, this is one that's interesting in the book, that if they found no intelligent carbon-based life to trade with, they would leave large numbers of the organelle there on purpose, so that abandoned, the organelle would look for home in the most unlikely indigenous indigenous life forms and trigger changes, um, evolution to take place, basically. Then in hundreds of thousands or millions of years, they would perhaps meet other traveling on Kali and trade with them. The organelle allowed for creation of compatibility with life forms to so dissimilar that they originally were unable to perceive one another as alive. So here's the inter- interesting parts. We learned two things. One is that mm. we confirmed that Onkali are carbon-based, obviously, mm-hmm. but, you know, still, it was, um, I remember the very first sort of, like, um, uh, episodes of this podcast, mm-hmm. we talked about what what if, you know, they were not carbon-based type of thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is that the fact that the organelle technically can still... Like as as you mentioned, like you know, being an endosymbiote to other beings that could potentially are not carbon based. Uh, yeah, that's a, a, a yeah a much more challenging proposition, right? Although even um, so, it's an interesting question, right? So these these organelles, I think, are, I don't know, the, the um, yeah these these organelles that um, act as endosymbionts in in us and in plants, mm-hmm. right? The the mitochondria and the the chloroplasts they're they're not capable of like free living or or, or even uh, readily living in another uh, a different host right mm-hmm. that what typically tends to happen with these organelles is a lot of the genes that were originally encoded in their independent genomes when they were you know free living um archaea for the most part uh the uh like the their genes end up in the uh, sorry, uh, free living bacteria, not archaea. Uh, they end up uh, in in the the host organism's mm-hmm. genome, right? So we have a lot of genes encoded in our in our genome uh, inside the nucleus that are used by and kind of required by the um, endosymbionts that mm-hmm. we have. So that you, you know you can't take them out yeah. of the the context of. Uh, the host cell and have them be fine, right? So it seems as though the Oankali organelle is much more um, uh, retains a lot more of its own genetic information in in inside uh, the cell and yeah. is less dependent. Yeah, on you're right. Yeah. yeah, huh? And also the idea of like the compatibility between, um, no, a carbon-based versus non-carbon-based i mean i suppose it's not it's not necessarily explicitly non-carbon-based but just like unable to perceive one another as life I yeah suppose is, i guess so it might still be carbon-based but just very different True. <laughs> i guess uh, but have yeah, to, yeah yeah it, it's it's unclear yeah um yeah that would be a uh an impressive feat <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it mm. does say here in hundreds of thousands or millions of years. So who knows? Mm. You know, what, at the time, what the onkali to what level the ones that are existing at the time would evolve to in that long period of time, and then whenever they would meet their like, you know, co-species in a way, um, mm-hmm. and then you know, with the with the mixing would taking place, and then realizing that actually, oh, this is the branching that took place 
you know, it's just an organelle that was left for, you know, here. And then I wonder if did that organelle also stores the knowledge of the Onkali, you know, the previous, you know, the generations as, uh, of the Onkali type of thing. So I don't know. It'd be very interesting to... Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's a, you'd have to put a lot of genetic material inside this organelle for it to be, uh, you know, hosting not only it, its own stuff, but also the some of the genetic memory of the Oracle yeah. and so on right it would have to be uh it's, it's probably more than is reasonable for like a prokaryote sized genome <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely uh, unless um recently i've rewatched uh, uh the fifth element mm-hmm. movie and you know there was about um uh the divine being that they had basically had um if i remember five DNA strands, you know, like the, you know, instead of like double helix, it was like a quant- quintuple helix type of thing. Ah, okay. Hmm. Uh, and basically, uh, the, you know, the idea is, you know, maybe potentially if you increase the number of strands, you potentially could store extra information on that type of thing. Mm. Who knows? I, I, the, in, like information, theoretically, you're kind of going in the wrong direction. There. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. But no. <laughs> Like the the, uh, I feel it's worth exploring why that's the case for 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 um, the the audience, as it were. Right, the, mm-hmm. the if you add strands to DNA, you're you're just adding redundant copies of the same information, effectively, right? Because uh, yeah, I mean, it, chemically, structurally, it doesn't really work in 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 the sense of ordinary DNA, but like. Well, the strands are redundant with one another, right? Well, so yes, the information on one is the same as the information on another. So if you added another strand, okay, then y- if you were doing a different sequence, then wh- why why would you even why would it be the same strand, right? It's just it's just longer, right? If you want to increase the information density, you don't increase the number of strands; you increase the number of bases because then you have um, more uh, possible values. Right. So it's it's very much the same thing that is done in uh, uh, like modern computing technology, right? So we have um, NAND flash chips, which is what our um, like solid state storage devices mm-hmm. are, right? So if you have an SSD, it's got a NAND flash chip in yeah. it. The old ones were single layer flash SLC. They had charged cells in them, which could retain like either charged or not charged, right? They had two states. Yeah. A binary representation. Uh, modern ones are getting up to the point of QLC, quad-level flash, uh, right? Uh, they can have four different charge states on them. Yeah. So instead of picking between one and two, you have uh, four different possible values. And, and DNA already kind of has that, right? So instead of using binary, it has four bases, yeah, yeah. which yeah. increases the amount of information that you can store in, in a, a, a string. If you increase that further, then you could increase the information density on the DNA strand, but you run into the problem of it's harder to distinguish, right? Because you you need distinct uh, levels that you can know with a high degree of confidence are in fact uh, one state or the other, right? So SLC in in flash memory is much more endurant right it, it, it can take a lot more read write cycles because it's only two states right you only have to have to disentangle when you're doing the signal engineering is you only have to disentangle two states 
right? But QLC, that's four different possible charge levels, right? If the charge degrades over time, you might slip into one of the other charge levels. It's harder to tell the difference between those states, right? This is the difference between analog and digital signals, right? No, digital signal is a zero one, easy to distinguish the state, easy to reconstruct what the actual information is in that signal. Whereas more charge levels, all the way to analog where it's just continuous, right? It's harder to distinguish those individual states. So you have e easier signal degradation, mm -hmm. right? So that's the, you can, you can increase the information density by increasing the number of bases, but you increase the risk of mistaking one base for another and thus having errors in your, uh, your transmission. But yeah, that's just. But the thing is, um, the way I look into this is that it's not the same type of, you know, uh, DNA coding as we have. So I immediately mm -hmm. thought that it, uh, let's say an additional strand, but instead of having the standard ATCG um, coding, mm -hmm. we would have AFT and uh, CNG type of thing. Well, actually I can't use N because it's already used in there. But you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. basically there's a third, it's, it's not a double base connection, it's a triple base. So there's an additional um, information there that uh, it's it's basically additional two bases type of thing that basically you end up with um, not two four connections but three necessary for DNA to like store that information as a triple basically type of and if you add strands you but add it, so if you add strands and a triplet is a required state as uh, sorry a, a triplet is like a fully um, uh, I'm not sure what the correct term is, but uh, if any one of the items on the three strand has one value, then you can infer the value of the other yeah. uh, items on that strand, right? So it's, it's required that they have that triple rather than they have that pair. It, it gives you additional redundancy. It still doesn't give, really give you additional information, right? Um, because it's... Well, yes, but depends on like, um, uh, if we look into that, if there is a... Huh... I mean, if it is a complete separate, it, if we assume that it's a separate, the same as you know DNA, that you no, know, then yes, this is a redundancy because you would only need two of those bases. But if we think about it, if there is an overlap, which would not be the best, um, of like let's say that F base that we can bind to either T or G, let's say in some circumstances, then. That would not be evolutionary. That would not be evolutionary beneficial because then it would create errors. Hmm, you're right. The more I think about it, the more so there's you, more flaws in my thinking. Yeah. So you can still use um, like a third check base as a as an additional redundancy check, or you, you can use it to to validate your sequence, mm. as it were. And you could even use it to. Um, so even in in ordinary DNA, there are some cases where um, the same stretch of DNA on one strand encodes information for one function and on the other strand encodes information for a different yeah. function. But that's a very hard thing to do because you have to have a, a single sequence that can encode both functions and sometimes doing one thing will preclude doing the other thing yeah, well, absolutely. right? So it's a much harder optimization problem. Yeah. That optimization problem gets a little bit easier if you have three strands, one of which is not fully um, dependent. So let's say you had two strands where uh, 
like a is always paired with t but there's a third one where a and where a t pairs can be with like it doesn't matter what they are but um you know f and q um uh bases right Mm -hmm. even if there's some uncertainty there you can still use that as a as a way of having like a, a check bit yeah, on your information, yeah. because if you have other options, say I don't know T and S, then you if it's T and S, then you know it's still a wrong bit. So you can you know you can use information encoding schemas that will still help you validate your sequence. Yeah, and that flexibility means you have more options for potentially encoding multiple functions in the same stretch of DNA. Mm-hmm. But it's still a harder optimization problem than just having more bases in the same thing and doing different stuff for them yeah um, that would be so, basically yeah. only quite like basically error check type of thing necessary for yeah error check. you can use it as a as a the equivalent of a checksum bit um yeah 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 it's it's, it's yeah that wouldn't work um See, this is interesting. So, you know, just now we've uh, debunked the fifth element's uh, theory, like, of the divine being having five quintuple strand DNA. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, they went the wrong way with that. If they'd added extra bases, that would have been reasonable, kind of, but not so much yeah. in, uh, <laughs> in the extra strands. <laughs> so, yeah, but here we are told the name of the organ that grows between uh, uh, the two hearts, Yashi. Um, mm. And it's interesting because I tried to look for any translations in anything um, in Japanese. It means a palm tree. Um, mm. But I, I couldn't find really anything that would remotely give a hint mm. in terms of the... About the, um, uh, about the you know, at least, you know, so some, some suggestions of uh, uh, what... The origin of this word could be, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes some Uloi would speak of it as if another person. I'm going out to taste the river and forest. Yashi is hungry and twisting for something new, but whether it really twisted or whether it was sensory feeling like hunger or thirst, Jodas would find out later once it went through its second metamorphosis. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting thing, right? I've people talk about their. Um, stomachs and other organs uh, as though they're a third party oh yeah absolutely absolutely you know like <laughs> my stomach is speaking to me uh it's hungry mm. type of thing so it makes sense that you mm. know they would feel some say, say, sensation of like i want to taste some dna okay sure mm. type of thing <laughs> yeah that's kind of a fascinating uh uh, 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 uh like set up right this this like uh, urge to go do genetic engineering (laughs) it's like yeah (laughs) an absolute ultra nerd uh in our in our universe yeah it's like uh, synthetic biology as a as a biological imperative (laughs) it's like i'm bored i'm gonna do some uh, genetic engineering huh Mm -hmm. okay Cool. But yeah. I like it. (laughs) Simultaneously, other organs started to develop as some genes that were dormant so far became active. Adult alloy were much more different than humans realized. Beyond their insertion of the onkai organelle, they did not provide any genetic contribution to the children. Um, Here's an important piece from the book, they left their birth families and mated with strangers so that they would not be confronted with too much familiarity. Humans said familiarity bred contempt. 
among the Oloi it bred mistakes. Male and female siblings could mate safely as long as their Oloi came from totally different group. So basically, Sweet Home Alabama does not apply to them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting um, feature of, of their their breeding, right? They, mm. That they need the uh, they need something different, unfamiliar, yeah. to uh, avoid making mistakes. Maybe it's the same thing with uh, what we saw with uh, Nikanjia to some degree, right? It's a uh, it's got a little bit too comfortable, a little bit yeah. too familiar. It's not uh, not paying attention enough to the. Um, but- but to be honest, the thing how the whole thing with like the human set familiarity bred content. But in reality, it only brings contempt if you're poor. Like when you actually think about it, you know, all those royal families, you know, inbreeding between each other with brother, sister, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the emperor of Germany or like, you know, uh Queen of England. All of them are basically siblings at some at very close level, much closer than we expect. So <laughs> mm, questionable, I would say. <laughs> well, yeah, but it didn't work out too well for the Habsburgs in the end, really. They did it. didn't, no. <laughs> it really didn't. No. But yeah. So for an Oloi, a same-sex child is the closest that they would have for a child. And that's why Nikanj was so protective for Jodas. Um, as Jodas was undergoing metamorphosis, it could remember all the questions uh, towards Nikanj, um, you know, from all the other Onkali, whether they could trust it. The fact that Jodas was an Oloi reached far and wide very quickly. So to calm them down, Nikanj invited all those interested in law to speak, interested uh, to law to speak to it and examine its finding with them. He wouldn't allow them to touch Jodas though. Nikanj would not allow them to disturb Jodas' metamorphosis. It knew what Jodas' body needed and touch was not it, but it knew that Jodas needed someone's presence so it stayed with the child at all times. Jodas mentions in his thoughts that the loneliness can be disturbing, and although doesn't mention the name, we can tell who it is referencing to who underwent metamorphosis away from their parents surrounded by humans. Mm-hmm. But it was disturbing for yeah, Akin that no one, even his own family, did not recognize him when he came home. Yeah, Akin had a pretty rough metamorphosis. Yeah, it, <laughs> it honestly was like going from a human looking like child to a completely Onkali looking like, you know, being... And you know, mm. you arrive home and it's like no one recognizes. It's like shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know, Gabe in the whole thing, and like then emerging from it with the house burning down. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the uh, the 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 reunion was must have been fun. <laughs> but yeah, Nikanj told Jolas that it doesn't want to push it towards the human or the Onkali extreme. It wants it to naturally develop as it should. But it didn't convince people, and many thought that Jodas would should be sent to the ship. Jay was scared that even as a sub-adult, it could alter genetic code, meaning that it could hurt someone. Nikanj reassured it that it wouldn't let Jodas to do any harm, um, as there is no flaw in it, and it should be aware of everything it does. Additionally, Nikanj warned Jodas about something else, that it will be complete. Males and females have dormant abilities, but Oloi doesn't. Instead, it will be able to change itself. Think that things that would take usually generations, Jodas will be able to do immediately, take new forms, even new uh, shells for camouflage and etc. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like the uh, the sort of... Um, I get the impression that this is not just 
um, that this is more for for um, Jodas than it is for the typical Uloi. Uloi, yeah. even, right? Because the the additional um, abilities that the humans have given the Oankali are also not dormant in in Jodas, right? It it has all of the kind of uh, additional malleability that yes. apparently the humans brought to the picture. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be. Uh, a lot more capable of uh, self-editing, I suppose. Basically, than yeah, absolutely. Than they have been up to this case. Yeah. yeah. I guess if he, if Jodas wants to hide and, you know, he, with enough skill, not only it could change the way it looks, but I guess also it's like, you know, smell and stuff like that, the things that an Onkali can pick mm. up very easily on type of mm-hmm. thing. Actually, yeah. It's, uh, it may well be a lot more capable of making convincing biological disguises. As long as it's not than, touched uh, by an Onkali, I guess, because then all the um, all cards are that uh, you know all you know everything is. I suppose as long as it's not uh, closely inspected by another Uloi who can go sort of uh, you know rummaging through its um what's the name of that organ? <laughs> the, uh, uh, yashi. Uh, the Yashi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, figure out that it's done some some self editing, but uh, yeah. 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 Jodas asked then if it's possible to change back to male, but Nikanj asked if it actually wants to be a male. And Jodas wasn't sure. It was always thought that it would be a male, so now it feels weird not to think of himself like that. But the reason why it wants to be a male is so that people wouldn't be so hard on Nikanj. They haven't accepted Jodas yet, and thus all the anger is directed at our boy Nikanj. I have too many feelings, I said. I want to be your same-sex child, but I don't want to cause the family trouble. What do you want for yourself? No, I could not speak. It, I would hurt it no matter what I said. Eka, I must know what you want, what you feel, and for your own sake, you must tell me. It will be better for you if the people only see through me until the metamorphosis is complete. But Jotas didn't want to be anything else but an Uloi, uh, but it wished that it didn't uh, because it was causing its family some problems. But it was healthy for him to want to be what it wanted, and that was fine. Joda asked Nikanji if he could change itself, and yes, that's possible, but only when it matures. Then it can make itself look more male. But it wouldn't be satisfied with male sex role, sexual role, and wouldn't uh, also uh, be able to make contribution like men can. The, the genetic contribution, yes, right? Yes, yes. So it, it has to... Uh, yeah, and that's an interesting one, because it, it does seem as though if it has that uh, degree of freedom to, to self-edit, that it could... Technically give theoretically itself... Theoretically yeah. give itself the capability to... Uh, reproduce as a female, but yeah, I, I suppose there are some limits still on on that uh, capacity. The Yashi um, organ probably prevents certain things. There's like things that like mutually exclusive cause it be mutually exclusive. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what would be what would actually be the mechanism that would uh, underpin something like that. Um, Don't know. I wonder, Honestly, you would have to have an extra like sort of chromosomes. chromosomes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a uh, maybe there's an uh, although the the sex is not determined chromosomally in in the Oankali, so it doesn't quite stack up. Yeah, that's that that's also the true. absence of a yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Mm, well. I'm not sure what. Yeah, I can't think of a particularly plausible mechanism whereby that would be uh, fixed. <laughs> yeah. If yeah yeah if sex was chromosomally determined, then it would make sense, kind of. But then the you know, o- the Oloi wouldn't have a copy of. Yeah, but then the, well, there would be mm. no need for Oloi type of thing mm. i mean if the uloi say don't have the sex chromosomes and you need um a, a y chromosome from the male then if you don't have a y available then you you need uh like 
you you couldn't become male, right? You you, you yeah. could potentially become female if you still have a copy of X, but you couldn't become male at least with the the human analogy. Yes, yes, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that doesn't quite map here because, because we, we, we know, know that sex that's, is not chromatonally determined. Yeah, yeah, and also we know that, for example, Nikanj was pushing Jodas towards being a male, so the environment was affecting. So technically, hmm. in the construct, would probably have all three like X, X, Y chromosomes available to them, and basically depending on their environment, one of them gets switched off in their bo- in their whole body, right? And then once they go metamorphosis, they develop the sexual organs, I guess. Although we know that um, Akin was, you know, a a uh, gigolo before his metamorphosis, as women were, you know, women were uh, swarming towards him. So we know that he has, he had a sex organ. So it's um. That doesn't necessarily mean that you know. It's like the um, uh, what's the uh, the androgen insensitivity thing. But in reverse, right? You, yeah. You, you have a um, male genetics, but uh, a female form uh, because the hormones secreted don't have receptors, so you, you develop the female route instead of the male route, despite the genetic difference. So it's a. Uh, uh, it depends a lot on what the specifics of the biology of how sex determination works. Yeah. Are, which oops, uh, we we know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we know we don't know exactly how that works. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that's yeah, the we're, thing. We're kind like, of uh, reasoning in the dark here. Yeah, this is this is yeah, yeah shooting in in you know, in the dark. Like we we can't really tell what underlying mechanism without actually being bit told bit more extra information on this. Hmm. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a, a hand wave on this, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Acceptable, I guess. There's enough reason in there to to think that there is something happening. That technically, maybe something's possible i guess but yeah jodas wanted to touch nikanj so nikanj got closer it then started studying the cells in the body wondering what would happen if it activated some of the genes and um nikanj though called it out and told it look at the cell again and observe it in a, you know as it was um it was observing originally what happened was the cell it was looking at, at had genes that were normally dormant activated and secreted inappropriate hormones and causing inappropriate growth Nikanj tells us that it's nothing that um, nothing would grow uh, in it, and the cell will die because the Uloi's body was rejecting this self-destructive behavior. Jota says though that it didn't feel wrong or dangerous, just out of place. But Nikanj tells it that if it happened in humans, they would die. I couldn't think of anything to say. My curiosity burned away in fear. When you touch them, never withdraw without checking to see whether you've done harm. I won't touch them at all. You won't be able to resist them. And this is, yeah. we are coming to this paragraph that is going to be very important. I, I actually copied quite a big paragraph from the book, but I think this is probably the most important information that will be given. Mm. And it's it's worth pointing out that we've we've moved here from genetic manipulation to epigenetic yes. manipulation, right? So now we, we have uh, Jordan's playing around with, you know, uh, reactivating going genes. around and flipping switches yeah. on, the, on the control panel, right? <laughs> Just, you know, randomly doing a... Uh, a little you know, flip this here, turn that on there, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that's a problem if you have a misconfigured cell, yeah. as it were. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Jodas scared asked Nikanj what should it do, and the only thing was to be careful. When it finds it mates, it won't be so interested in others. But as it is, it needs to be careful of the deep touch. 
Jodas agreed and allowed Nikash to study its body, and when Jay started to relax, Kash shouted it. It can't get relaxed, even a little when it contact with another person, not even Nikanj. And here's an excerpt of the book that I mentioned, it's very important. You're too competent, too well, ab- too well able to make tiny, potentially deadly changes in genes, cells, or in, or in organs. What males, females, and even some Uloi must struggle to perceive, you can't fail to perceive on one level or another. What they must be taught to do, what they must strain to do, you can do almost without a to- thought. You have all the sensitivity I could give you, and that's a great deal. And you have the latent abilities of your human ancestors. In you, those abilities are no longer latent. That's why you were able to activate genes in me that even I can't reawaken. That's why the humans are such treasure. They're given us the regenerative abilities we have never able to trade before before. Even though we found other species that had such abilities. I'm here because a human was able to share such ability with me. And what Nikanj meant was Liv and her Mm. cancer. So we are told, as you mentioned earlier, Richard, that the constructs are capable of more than just an Uloi, Onkali Uloi. Hmm. And it's pretty, pretty big. And obviously, you know, this also mentions the cancer and the whole, you know, regeneration. Obviously, with our modern understanding of biology, that's not exactly how the things work. But nonetheless. Hmm. Yeah, and we have these still kind of uh, slightly arbitrary constraints on the abilities that... Uh... Uh, that they have like uh, Nikanj not being able to to turn on certain genes, but but uh, able to do others. So yeah. there's this kind of uh, uh, slightly unclear as to why the a constraint on one of those things would be a constraint on other things. But it's it's uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's fine, right? You know, it's acceptable <laughs> when you're dealing with. Um, it's a bit like magic systems, right? This is kind of uh, kind of like a magic system in this book. Oh, right? yeah. The, oh, boy. the biological abilities serve as an analogy to a magic system. And if you don't have some arbitrary constraints on, on how those work, then they can get a bit out of hand. Yeah, I mean, don't get me started. But yeah, if you look at any magic systems on like all difference available, like from any jo- uh, fiction or stuff, like this, either they call the hard magic or the soft magic. Either it's like this Harry mm. Potter is a soft magic for everyone so basically you think and you know there are some rules but in reality those rules don't always apply and there are some weird exceptions and then there's hard magic which is like you have to really follow the rules otherwise it will not work and yet it still has some weird exceptions so yeah yeah i mean i think there, there are some like hard magic systems which basically are like more or less completely consistent and adhered to like that strictly in the story but you, you then um, if, if you're not careful with that then you can end up with the like and if someone comes in and munchkins the rules and, oh, and yeah. breaks everything in your universe oh, absolutely <laughs> it's basically no if, if given time anybody with enough understanding would come up with something so outrageous that you know you haven't thought about the original author of the system would not have not thought about it It'd be like yep that's 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 my life now completely ruined everything <laughs> i always enjoyed the uh uh the, the books where they managed to do that well right they have a hard magic system mostly but but it and and it's like heavily exploited in universe by people in uh, doing like clever things with the rules yeah. um but yeah you, you always take a bit of a risk as an author when you put it out there because if someone smarter than you comes along and, and figures out a cheat then you're like oh damn it <laughs> uh, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> No, honestly, it's. Uh, I could rant about magic systems in general for a long time, but um, let's not do it. Uh, but yeah, 
it's it's um the concept is suitable enough of um to be uh explanation for this and you know let's get conti- let's continue i guess um sure. so we know you know what Nikanj meant was Lilith and her concept because we know of the story of you know Lilith and Nikanj being famous now where you know if you if you all recall in book 1 when Nikanj was cut and almost lost a limb and it was Lilith's body that helped to regenerate regenerate that tissue and that's why Jodas needed to be careful it could give cancer, damage their immune system, cause neurological disorders, glandular problems, or give them diseases the humans don't even have names for in the moment of inattention. And they will have no defense against it. Even though Jodas didn't have any reproductive organs anymore, it was still attractive for them, and eventually when it matures, it will be able to give pleasure in the contact. Jodas' mind went back to the couple of humans it met trying to go to Mars. It wondered how it would be to be able to seduce them. But the can't reading his mind tells it to stick with constructs for now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just it's just, you know, like you're you this is like you're thinking to yourself and you're like your thoughts are secure to you and, and no your parents literally reading your mind and <laughs> um and you're thinking about, you know <laughs> So having sex with you is just like mm, awkward, to say at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yep. <laughs> but the uh, it's uh, this whole um, the, the the we we get in that kind of internal monologue exactly what uh, what Nikanj was just saying, right? He's like, it's just like, no, I will never touch them because this is too risky, and, and yeah, this is like super scary. <laughs> he can he can really mess you up if he's not paying attention. But, and then uh, in the same time, it's like, immediately mm, like that, 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 that couple, mm, and it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, God, Jodas, like, please. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to end well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it is more difficult to harm them compared to humans. Uh, that was the reasoning why Nikanj suggested constructs. And the chapter basically ends with Jodas asking Nikanj if people let it touch them. But the answer is they don't know yet. Exile would be hard for Jodas, but maybe an exile on the ship would be the least difficult. Of course, Nikanj would not allow anyone to take him unless Jodas wishes so, but then Uloi could perceive more than just words. Because humans tended to misunderstand Uloi, because, you know, Uloi didn't just change their minds like humans did, humans did via words. They perceived everything, words, gestures, internal and external bodily responses, and reacted to those accordingly, in a consensus. So if one day Nikan saw that Jay needed mates more than family, it would send it to the ship. That's where the chapter ends. And also gives us a mm-hmm. bit more... You know, obviously, we humans do tend to come to an understanding via words, but body language is also important. Like, you know, if somebody is, you know, towering over you, um, and then, for example, being very polite but towering over you, like it's sending mm. weird signals, and we know that we feel uncomfortable nonetheless. Yeah, I think that it also there's a section about maybe it was something to do with Tina earlier in this the same chapter, where it's like humans would send like different, they'd say one thing and their bodies um, dis- different, know, yeah. Feel another way, and then they'd get angry when you pointed out that they were that what they'd said didn't match yeah. with what they I were. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was um, 
uh, when uh, whether Tina was not attracted to Nikanj type of thing because Nikanj was sending mm, some sort yeah. of pheromones and like he was saying no but his body was like give me give me that some sweet Nikanj's ass you know type of thing. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, the, we've encountered that that general phenomenon a lot. I think it was it was brought up again here. But the the yeah, it, it it's it, it seems to confuse the the uloi that the humans have this like inconsistency between what what they verbalize and what they are saying with their physiology. Which <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it is probably a lot of like you know disturbing to like you say no inside you think. It's no bad, you know, I would clap those cheeks, but then, you know, but there's some certain rules I need to follow, but then, like, in the, it, it, the, the being just, it's like, I can tell that you're, you know, it's a, but there's a bad there, and it's like, yeah, but, you know, it still doesn't mean I would follow up with it, there's other things related to it, but still, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the, the whole, um, like potentially greater internal consistency that the, yeah. the, the Owen Carly have because of this kind of uh, greater ability to I don't know, perceive and square those things. Yeah, but the, the, the societal norms that are around that. But, but we do, yeah. you know, we did agree that Owen Carly are more biological than just you know, you know, mm-hmm. as humans, you know, we we can say one thing, think another thing, do a third thing because of whatever and you know but so i don't agree with this this sentence here that no we just use words this you know and we do respond to pheromones like you know if you mm-hmm. pass by pass you know by someone you find that for example they smell attractive and that's you know mm-hmm. that's that's just just biology doing its job and like um there's more to it and i feel like and i understand what the book the you know the author is trying to convey here that we mostly rely on words whereas no mm-hmm. don Kali can sense everything you know like so and they, they yeah, do I mean, work via uh, consensus type of thing so it's more the differences is cultural right yeah. so we, we kind of we we handle that inconsistency by you know telling convenient lies yeah. right whereas the Kali can't practically resolve that problem that way because of the way the kind of sensory and communication stuff works so yeah. they have to just sort of be a lot more upfront about that kind of thing which um you know tends to offend human sensibilities yeah so. yeah <laughs> well, a bit of a culture clash but uh yeah <laughs> so yeah i guess that's 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 for to that's for today. I mean, let's go to my chapter five prediction. Sure. So, I I, I wasn't sure where it will go because obviously there was we see some jumps in time and you know obviously, but we are going. Uh, we had a bit of foreshadowing of things like Jodas having to be have to be careful with what he what it's doing with when it's sensing things. So I was thinking that as metamorphosis is taking place and this. Jodas is getting more conscious of itself and its abilities. We will encounter some sort of like mistakes it's making that can probably lead to some serious damage if not controlled. And so I was thinking basically the next chapter we will have this like, oh, you know, it's maybe realizing that it's doing something, but not entirely understanding what it's to what happened, right? Type of thing. It doesn't have the knowledge mm. of exactly controlling its powers, type of thing. Okay, yeah. So it's got to to learn to uh, wield its powers without uh, doing damage yeah. to uh, 
to others and we'll probably see some uh, uh, initial training yeah. snafus yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah yep sounds reasonable um any ideas about um how you think the the consensus is going to react i mean in the chapter one uh, episode one i uh i said that i sort of spoiled myself with the table of contents <laughs> so i sort of feel that the consensus is just to at the time for the time being to observe but eventually you know I guess I'm not gonna say it out loud, but for the people, just read the books table, con- uh, co- you know, table table of contents and see <laughs> the part two name, and I I think that the, the answer is there. <laughs> mm, okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Damn table of contents. Damn you, spoiler table things. of contents! How dare you spoil everything? <laughs> but yeah, I I guess that's it. Okay, yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's all. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening uh, to us. We are Xenothesis. You can find all the places we upload our podcast on xenothesis.com. I was Michael Glinka. And I was Richard Acton. Thank you and goodbye. goodbye.